This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, so some uh, some bad news here. If you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators, Kyle Bukowskis uh, tweeted this out here about six or seven minutes ago. Tough news on Josh Norris today. DJ Smith is not confident he will play again this season. Still awaiting to see if surgery is needed on his shoulder. Whew, I know Shane Pinto has looked real good, but... Um, I'll tell you what, the signing of Derek Broussard looks very fortuitous now for the uh, for the Ottawa Senators, uh, but that is horrible news uh, for Josh Norris and, of course, horrible news for the Ottawa Senators as well. Um, a tough one last night for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and expectations were certainly raised for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, when they picked up Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason. Uh, it is a, an interesting team to try to figure out, and someone who does that uh, on a daily basis and is really thorough with his coverage uh, about this team is Aaron Portsmouth line from The Athletic, and he joins me now. Aaron, how are you today? Doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, pleasure is all mine, uh, as always. Um, so not the start the Blue Jackets would have hoped for or expected. Um, three and five record through eight games, tough loss last night against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, did you expect them to be different, better, uh, than we've seen so far, given what they uh, they did in the off season. Uh, better, yes, I am probably bigger than that. More consistent, and mm-hmm. at least consistent with their energy output. Their their um, you know their their give a damn. And that looked to be missing last night. And I think it's troubled them. They've looked to be tired or not energized in more games than you could, you would want to believe uh, this early in the season. They got the one last night. You know, they they lose to Pittsburgh their previous home game. It's just a snapshot of what they're going through. They're they're, they're playing really well against Pittsburgh, up two nothing, up three one. And they lose 6-3. Now, Pittsburgh has like a big brother, little brother relationship with the Blue Jackets, sure. at least in the NHL, where they feel like they can do whatever they want, whatever they want, and history tells us that they can. So those games, we've if, if you followed the Blue Jackets, you've seen that game before. The very next night, they go to New York and they beat the Rangers 5-1 and play really well. So you think maybe there's some traction here. And then they come home after day off and just get housed in their own rank by Arizona. Now they it wasn't they've been outplayed by a larger margin. Certainly Tampa Bay took them to school in the home opener. But that just was nowhere near good enough. Uh, they took Arizona for granted, which is almost hilarious that the Blue Jackets can do that to anybody given the state that they're in right now. Um this was a humbling one last night, and it's a pissed-off fan base right now because they don't they, they expected more, but I think the most frustrating thing is they don't know what to expect on a nightly basis. You know, the um, the Blue Jackets were a fascinating team to me. I think fascinating to a lot, a lot of people, and you're there, Aaron, for all of it. Um, I yep. understand that rebuilds are all about getting good players. Normally, it's getting good players, you know, developed internally. And much like the Rangers, after they said, "Hey, we're rebuilding," you know, Artemi Panarin fell into their laps. Um, yep. I look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I remember talking on this program with John Davidson last year. 
after like a, a particularly good stretch. And he said, yeah, we'll see. We're, you know, we're still a young team, still learning, et cetera, et cetera. Reading in between the lines, I'm saying to myself, okay, what JD is trying to say here is uh, pump the brakes. We're still, still rebuilding. Check us out in a couple of more seasons. But when Johnny yeah. Goudreau becomes available, I get it. Like if if you're, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen, how do you say no? Essentially, it's outside of, you know, what he actually costs you against your salary cap. It's free elite player. And and he's been good. Like there's, I don't think anyone has any complaints about you know, Johnny Goudreau and, you know, adding one of the best playmakers in the NHL. What's he done for the team? Like what's he done for everybody around him? Well, so I, you're right. He's been very good um, with his own game. It, it's been there. This, this, everything you've come to expect from Johnny Gaudreau, the speed, the creativity, the playmaking. I think it's, you know what's been said about him is that he he's the type of player, the rarest player, that elevates everybody around him. And I think that takes time. We've not seen that yet. Um, in, in one sense, Line A played a period, a little more than a period in the opener and then got hurt and returned last night. So the chemistry between those two, which looked promising at the end of training camp and certainly on opening night, uh, hasn't materialized yet just because they have not physically been together. I think he's still getting used to those players around him. I think more to the point, the players around him are still getting used to him. So there hasn't been Mm -hmm. sort of a lift-all-boats-yet effect from Goudreau, frankly, he thinks the right. game is a, at a pace that I'm not sure some guys on this roster can't. Like the puck is on their stick before they're even aware that the pass has been made. Um, and, and that's going to come with time. Kent Johnson can hang with Goudreau skill-wise, thinks the game like that. Mm-hmm. I think Sillinger can, Chinikov can. Um but, you know, this thing is still sort of being patched together. The one thing Gaudreau's arrival here does, it changes immediately, whether they're up to it or not, is the expectation. Now, if nothing more than just the fan base here, people here were kind of prepared for a slow build back into relevancy and playoff berths and see where it can go from there. Well, hell, when you sign Johnny Gaudreau, mm-hmm. now people are like, I'm in, playoffs. Who do you think we're going to play in the second round? Right? Um, they're 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 totally committed to this being a playoff team, and they're a salary cap team, so that maybe should be the expectation. Um, and we've not, we just haven't seen that effect yet. Uh, I don't put any of the struggles for this on Gaudreau. It's been it's been the goaltending. It's been the overall team defense, which is which was poor last year, has somehow gotten worse this year, and. But but it's still a work in progress, very much so. Do they kind of remind you because they uh, they do me, you know, when they you know you you look at specifically the top six and and how powerful it is, um, and a lot of that work gets undone by either the blue line or more specifically the goaltending. How much do they remind? This might sound harsh and blunt, but here we go. How much do they remind you of the New Jersey Devils? Like, or how much are these two teams mirror images of one another? Interesting question. I mean, it hasn't been posed that way. I, I think if you look at the Devils, there's probably, well, they made some changes this summer. There's more sort of raw youth that you're waiting to explode up front, but I'm not sure they can match the veteran 
expectation of mm-hmm. Voracek, Goudreau, Line A. Um, they've right. got a they've they've got some high end high end draft picks. Columbus does a bit too, but I think Columbus probably shades more towards the known quantities. Gus Nyquist is a known quantity. Boone Jenner. So they're not their top six really isn't built around top picks from a, a couple of years ago developing before your eyes. These guys are mm. are here. I mean these are these are finished product in a lot of in a lot of cases. Um, the blue line they're in a tough spot with the blue line because you know do you if you're Yermo Pekalainen do you sink resources into just revamping it in the middle of the season, which is really hard to do? Um, when you also consider that you've you've put major resources into the draft for the blue line, and which is probably a couple of years away, David Yurichek, Denton Matichuk, Gorson yep. Kuhlman. Those are all first-round draft picks from just the last two drafts. So help is on the way, mm-hmm. but I, you don't know how long it's going to take for that help to get here. They do like some of their pieces and their parts. It's just a weird fit back there. And it's not just the defenseman in terms of defending. I, I've asked them, former NHL players, help me understand what this team is trying to do defensively. Are they playing a zone? Are they playing a man? Are they playing hybrid? I can tell at times that they're playing a zone down low because guys switch off. But these guys come back and they right. say, I have no idea what they're playing after I watched them play last night. And these are NHL defensemen former NHL defenseman. Hmm. So they're just kind of a mess defensively. Their goaltending does not help them. Um, I've been saying for a while it's the defense that doesn't help the goaltending. Starting to feel the other way now. Uh, Tarasov had a great game in New York, did not back it up last night. Merzlikens has really struggled. Um, So they're kind of, they're, they're in a tough, tough spot on that red line back. Let me ask you about Jacob Markstrom. Oh, no, sorry, uh, Jacob Chikrin. Sorry, I got Calgary on the brain. Let me ask you about Jacob Chikrin. Um, No secret he's available. We've been following this story for for a year now. Um, Right. And, you know, the teams that that pop up mostly, I mean, last year there was a whole bunch, there was a whole lot of, you know, smoke between Arizona and the Florida Panthers. Now they're capped and they probably don't have the assets to, to make that deal anymore. Um, but, you know, we think of teams like the Los Angeles Kings and, you know, we think about teams like the St. Louis Blues and we think about teams like the Islanders. I think Islanders are, are right in on Chikorin as well. And the name that keeps popping up whenever I make the calls about Chikorin are the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Do you think, given that, the deal that Arizona is looking for is essentially – and it's a combination of picks and players slash prospects. Is a combination. Right. It's, it's like two firsts plus plus plus. It can be a former first round pick. It can be a first round pick. A combination of both plus something else. A. Do you think that Columbus has the desire to bring in someone like Chikrin? And B. Are willing to part with what it would take to bring in Jacob Chikrin? So we've done some reporting. On this, it got really interesting at the draft last year, when last yeah. summer, when it was said that the Blue Jackets had a deal in place for Chikrin to go to Columbus. Now, the Blue Jackets say this is not true. There are people in the Chikrin camp that say it's true. Um, and again, there are differing reports on this. 
but that Chikrin did not want to come to Columbus. He does not have trade. He does not have the ability to stop a trade. But teams do take in mind if a player wants to come somewhere or not, especially Columbus, given what they've been through with certain players. He didn't want to come to Columbus, and so Columbus backed out. That's one side of the aisle says that. The other says, not true. We just inquired. It went no further. Um, and then this summer, as the summer moved along and Johnny Gaudreau became a Blue Jacket, I'm led to believe that Chikrin <laughs> decided – you know, if it's okay for Johnny, maybe it should be, huh, you know, I'd go, yeah, what the hell, I'd go there. Now, if Columbus wants the player, they've got the opportunity to get him, and they've got the pieces for him. He's not a perfect fit on this team. Um, he's mostly a left-side guy, which means he's probably a second-pair guy because Lorenzi's the, the top dog on the back end. I don't think he's comfortable on the right side, which is where they desperately need a high-end yep. uh, type talent. Their top four on the right side is really not doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and so, I think the Blue Jackets soured on if if that deal if it's true that a deal was in place, and he said, "Yeah, not really." They've soured on him. I don't. I think they feel like the price back then was awfully steep too. I've heard that the price has maybe come down a bit that maybe there's one less right. element going back to Arizona than there would have been at the draft. It doesn't surprise me if they make a trade like that. And maybe it includes some of their, their defensemen. You mentioned um, certain teams being at the cap. The Blue Jackets gave up Bjorkstrand when they signed Gaudreau. It's the best yep. deal they thought they could find to get back under the cap. They'd have to clear some money out to get Chikrin in here as well. Uh, it's a reasonable contract, but something would have to give. Do the Coyotes want Jake Bean? Do they want Boakvist? What else do they want? Uh, one of those young defensemen from Columbus, I don't think the Blue Jackets would part with Juracek or Matichuk, but maybe Kuhlemans could be part of it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if the deal came to pass. I don't feel like there's tremendous excitement from the Blue Jackets to make that trade at this point, but maybe that changes if they continue to sputter. You know, one of the interesting things, and this may sound like an insult, but it's really not. Uh, I don't think the Arizona Coyotes really care the nature of the position of the players coming back. Uh, because as someone said to me recently, Arizona is not good enough to care right now. Like right now, Aaron, they're just in there. Let's just accumulate players. And eventually, you know, once this team actualizes, we'll sort all of it out. I think right now they're just like, how many young, good players, regardless of the position, they can accrue before they finally start to, to put the team together. You know what I mean? And that's why yeah, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm them and I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the Columbus roster, uh, front and center, I'm, I'm, looking at, you know, I'm looking at David Juracek. I don't think you're going to get him, but that's, you know, considering what you're giving up and, and how cost-controlled he's at and what the number is, that's, I mean, and Arizona can still swing for the fence here, and there's other teams interested. I, I think Columbus, I, I know he'd, he'd play a, a second pair behind Wierenski, take Gavrikov's spot, but it, it kind of does, from that point of view, kind of makes sense to me. should mention that Gavrikov is a UFA next summer, yep. and talks have, have uh, borne very little fruit at this point. Uh, they're, they're not close. 
we uh, we shall see the Blue Jackets face off against the uh, the Boston Bruins uh, next. Aaron, uh, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for for talking Blue Jackets with us. One of the more intriguing teams around the NHL. I know it's speed wobble time for the Jackets. Certainly when they, they lose to Arizona, uh, that happens. But uh, nonetheless, always love your stuff at the Athletic and, and love having you on. Thanks so much for this. Well, thank you. Thanks as always for having me. Appreciate it. There he is. Aaron Portsline covers the Blue Jackets for the Athletic. Uh, tough loss. Get doubled up last night by the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I more on Chickren. I still think that there could be something there with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, that one makes some sense. And I still do think that the Islanders, um, that the Islanders could be one of, if not the team. And you know that you're not going to get any information <laughs> out of the Islanders organization. Uh, nothing leaks out of the walls. There is nothing there. But I would have to believe that the Islanders would be uh, one of those teams that are very much in the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes. Uh, all right. Hour one is in the books. Hour two is on the horizon. Uh, if you're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, thank you so much for your ears. If you're watching on Sportsnet 360 or Sportsnet Now, we uh, we thank you. Whether you're in a uh, sports bar establishment, whether you're at a uh, hockey retailer, thanks for having us on the screens. Uh, Greg Wyshynski comes up in a couple of minutes from ESPN. It is MVSW time. It is Wednesday after all. Uh, and that means it's our time with Greg. Uh, more on the Iron Man. Phil Kessel also probably get into a conversation about the game that we saw last night, which I loved, which was Colorado and the New York Rangers. You probably saw it as well. Um, And the idea of Nathan McKinnon, who still had penalty time on the clock, but was able to compete in the shootout. I know you're allowed to, but should you be? One of the questions coming up next. Merrick Show continues. Keep it here. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hey, Matt Marchese. Jeffrey. Tampa Bay Lightning are three and four. Playing 429 hockey, and I am not concerned about them. Are you? Hmm. I'm I'm not because they're not fully healthy yet. Like, you know, we talked about when Anthony Sorelli's back and mm-hmm. they'll they'll figure it out, but I can here's what I will say. If they hadn't gone on such a deep run last year and and not lost the players that they did. I think I would be a little bit less concerned, but I think there's, I think there's, how about this? There's mild concern on my part about the Tampa Bay lightning, because eventually, eventually you run out of, you run out of tracks for this train. And we saw it with the Chicago Blackhawks, what they went through when, yeah, they, they won Stanley cups and they, you know, they were really dominant, but they had to have significant roster turnover. And I'm not saying that the Lightning are going to get to the point that the Blacks, yeah. the Blackhawks are at now, but it at some point you, this this show ends, and and I think we are closer to the end of that than we are the beginning. How about that? No, that's true. When you look at some of the ages here, not to say that you know what that next version of the Tampa Bay Lightning is going to look at um, look like is still you know it's it, it's still going to be good. You know, that's going to have, you know, Sorelli and, and Sergachev. Like, you look at players like Steven Stamkos and, 
You know, he's closer to the end than the beginning and, and ditto for, for Victor Hedman. But this is still really and is going to be a very competitive team still for a long time. I just refuse to get, you know, as hysterical as everybody is about a team like the Vancouver Canucks and are they already out of it and do they have to pay it up, play it a 110 clip uh, to, to make it to the playoffs and do they have the horses to do that? Um, like you look at Vancouver and say, well, probably not. But if the same thing were, like if, the, if the Tampa Bay Lightning were in the exact same situation, which they you know find themselves in the the, the bottom of the of the division, don't you kind of say to yourself, yeah, there's still a team in there that can play at this insanely high clip. Uh, I don't have any reason to to be concerned here at all. No, and 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 that's a that's a fair fair assessment. Here here's where here's where it gets to me where there might be a little bit of frustration growing. Uh, you know what? Let's play, let's play John Cooper's clip post game last night. And I want to see if you'll pick up on okay. a word that he's now used twice in like two weeks. I think, okay. as you said, it was probably an even game. I thought halfway through that game, you know, we probably carried the play. Uh, and then unfortunately we got behind and we didn't push, and that's the disappointing part. Is like once they got the lead, um, they structured down, and then we tried. We were chasing the game, going completely away with from what we did in the beginning, first half of the game, and that's the result you're going to get. Is the uh, is the word you're looking for push? <laughs> no, it's actually not. I'm surprised. As a parent, you should know this word. Oh, disappointment? <laughs> yeah. That's the second time that he's used that in like two weeks. And that's very unlike John Cooper. So I just wonder at this point if and I'm not I'm I'm not saying anything about John Cooper's tenure as the lightning head coach, but I do wonder if there is some frustration there with maybe some of the messaging being lost with this group at this moment. And and not because of, of John Cooper and his coaching style, but maybe just some fatigue in general from just playing a lot of hockey over the last three years. Uh, they have. Um, now they're playing last night against the Los Angeles Kings team that is, you know, still much improved. I know they didn't have Victor Arvidsson in last night, but this is still a much improved uh, Los Angeles Kings team over the one that we've we've seen the last few seasons. So last year was nice making it into the playoffs, mainly because Vegas didn't make it in. Um, but LA's good, man. Like LA's going to be a tough out, I think, for a lot of teams, especially now that you're getting, and it's taken a while, and I get it. But you're getting a great, you know, game in, game out. Gabe Velarde is looking awesome. Gabriel Velarde has five goals, Maddie. He does. Gabriel Velarde looks really good. Five. He got a goal last night. He got another assist. Like Gabe Velarde looks excellent. And what's one of the things we've wondered about? with the Los Angeles Kings. For the last few seasons, we've said, why are they putting all these hurdles? Why are they putting all these established players, whether it's Arvidsson, whether it's Philip Deneau, most recently Kevin Fiala, etc., in front of some of their prospects? Like, what do they think of their prospect pool? Like, at a certain point, this prospect pool that we talk about is being so deep and rich in Los Angeles. Like, it's kind of got to eventually start hitting. And players like Mikey Anderson and Sean Dursey did last season and now and this is great for LA dangerous for everybody else Gabe Velarde's hitting now Maddie. Gabe Velarde looks really good um, we shall see as we mentioned three games on the go this evening around the NHL the Bolts and the Ducks the Oilers and the Blues the Rangers and the Islanders which is always full value 
Uh, thanks to everybody who stopped by today. Uh, thanks to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic, and Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada. And congratulations once again to the NHL's Ironman, Phil Kessel, 990 and counting. Back tomorrow for more of The Merrick Show.